You're listening to the Military Homeschool Podcast. The Military Homeschool Podcast aims to equip and encourage parents by covering topics relevant to military homeschooling families. Tune in each week for tips and advice from someone who's been there as a military wife and homeschooling mom. You'll also hear inspiring stories and informative guest interviews with experienced military homeschoolers and experts in the educational field. The Military Homeschool Podcast is a broadcast of the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. Welcome back to the Military Homeschool Podcast. I'm your host, Crystal Niehoff. Thanks so much for listening in. As military families, we move around a lot. And as a result, we have to determine a new dedicated homeschooling area in each new house or apartment we live in every few years. We may even find ourselves readjusting our homeschool area in the same place due to a new baby, growing kiddos, or just trying to freshen up and organize the space we have. Well, today I have Amber Smith from 200 Fingers and Toes joining me to talk about homeschool spaces. Welcome to the show, Amber. Crystal, thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to have you here today to talk about this topic, but first, would you tell us about yourself and your family, and I'd love to know where the title 200 Fingers and Toes come from. That is a great question. I get that a lot. Um, I have 10 kids, and when I introduce myself to people, often when we come back around and meet each other again, they'll say, oh, you're the lady with 10 kids. And so I realized that one of the things that um, captured people's attention and helped them remember me was this large family that I had. And so when thinking about building uh, a title to my blog that made sense and that people could remember, I thought, you know what? I have 200 fingers and toes at my house that I'm cleaning up after every single day. And um, and that we want to use those 200 fingers and toes to leave our imprint on the world. And so I just thought of those two pictures and I thought that would be a great uh, title that people could remember. And also to remind me that like, you know what, I am trying to make an impact on A, those children who have those fingers and toes, and then B, by using our lives to help reach the world and leave an imprint on people around us too. Oh, gracious. I love that. 200 fingers and toes to make an imprint on the world. I love that. So then what led you to homeschooling? But I'm actually a second generation homeschooler. So I was involuntarily homeschooled in high school. I was actually the last of my six brothers and sisters to come out of public school. And so um, I left the middle of 10th grade and, um, and did some workbooks, honestly, My mom pushed me straight to community college and I was able to take classes. So I went from being a completely failing student where I I was failing out of the 10th grade. uh, And because of the freedom of choosing classes that I wanted to take and being responsible for myself and actually being able to maybe take some advanced classes that met where I wanted to be learning, uh, I was able to get uh, my degree at college in the 10th grade. So, um, so it's just one of those things where taking the freedom and moving me to that transition at the time, I didn't appreciate it, but looking back, I saw the detriment of a lot of the ways that the system of education really failed me as a student. So yes, we're a Christian family and yes, we want to, um, 
I don't know, translate our values to our kids by homeschooling, but really for myself, it was out of a deficit in the education system that caused me to look at homeschooling as an alternative to how I could get my kids a hungry about learning and b um, find the things that they needed to learn at the very best level that they could and individualize that across the board for each student um, in a way that made sense and was still flexible for us. So that's what kind of lured me into homeschooling. Um, but that also gave me a special place in my heart for parents who are struggling um, with struggling students because oftentimes homeschooling is the last ditch effort to try to maybe recover a student who is failing at school. And this is your last chance to help them find out that they're not dumb and they're not, you know, all the things that they believe about themselves. If they've gone through the school system and they've been, the system has been failing them the whole way through, then they reach this point where they just believe the grades that they've been given. And so I'm, I'm really blessed that I had the opportunity to go to college and find out that I was actually a really smart student. Um, and I think if I had just failed out and gotten a job, I don't think I ever would have discovered that. So I wanted my chance to be able to help other people's families and my own kids discover what was in them as well. Oh, I love that. You know, you're so right. I think the public school system in particular, and sometimes private school as well, it's it's such a boxed way of learning that if you don't fit within that box, and I was one of those that didn't fit within that box. And so I really struggled. And so for me to homeschool my kids so they wouldn't have that struggle was what led me to homeschooling our family. So I'm curious then with your large family, 10 kiddos, that is so cool. I suspect that with that large of a family, that making space to homeschool is kind of a challenge. I'm wondering, do we actually need a dedicated room for homeschooling? And what about those of us who live in a small home or apartment or like yourself with a large family? Is that even feasible to have a dedicated space? Yeah. No, that's one thing that really drove me um, to help parents was everybody's different. And we all come from a unique situation and a unique family dynamic. Um, when we started homeschooling, we were basically living on beans and rice. And so there was nothing for extras. And so we had to be really creative about how we used our space. Um, but then the ebb and flow of how our family has changed has changed how we use our space over the years as well. So um, I always tell parents who are beginning who want to set up, and, and I laugh because my husband, when we talked about homeschooling, was like, okay, we're going to need desks. And it was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, just, we're not going to like redo school at home. Like I couldn't imagine. I was a child who I've never sat with my feet on the floor in a chair in my whole life. I hated desks. They were so just aggravating to have to be stuck in that one place and be still. And I think I spent a lot of my mental energy just trying to make myself comply and be still. And so I knew like that is not going to be something that I want to duplicate in our house. Now we have seating areas and we have things, but, but from the outset, I said, you know what, let's first look at how we school and then we'll make some decisions. So I advise anybody who's starting homeschooling, the first thing you want to do is school for a while and find out like, okay, here's some things that I'm seeing as a pressing need. Uh, here's some areas where maybe we gather. And so, and here's some areas we don't use. I know a ton of people who do not ever use their dining room table. Never. 
It's just, it's in another room. It's dusty. It's cluttered. It has junk on it. Clean it off and make that a school area. So you can look at your spaces and not only looking for where you gather, we do a lot of our school by reading. So when we're gathered together, reading a book, we're usually plopped on the couch and we've got blankets and pillows and we're comfortable. So that's one of the things that maybe we need some additional seating, or maybe we need some flat cushions to just add some extra space on the floor. Uh, when we originally started homeschooling, oh my gosh, I had a bunch of little, little people. And so we did some workbooks, but honestly, most of our school time was spent reading to the kids. And so because I had a seven, six, five, four, three, two and a newborn, uh, we usually did our school around nap time. So when the baby fell asleep, like that was the start of the school day. And then we would gather up, uh, we had an L-shaped bunk bed. We would all pile in that. And I would read until they all started dropping like flies. And so um, by the end of that, I knew like, okay, this is this is how I want to school. So maybe you find how you like schooling. So maybe you really like um, a textbook. You want to be really clear that you're going through it systematically in order for the whole year. And that helps you feel confident. Um, in the early years of homeschooling, I say plan your homeschool around what makes you as a parent and a leader in your homeschool most comfortable and confident. Because honestly, if you don't love what you're doing, you're going to quit. And you really have to focus on how you like to teach in the beginning. Now, as I've transitioned and I have older teens, I've made some big changes in sacrifices in the curriculums that I love and made some moves to let my kids make some choices and lead the way. Um, I've also like moved to transition to let my teenagers school in their room because again, with a large family dynamic, we have this group of small children who have a different work schedule. And so they have a lighter school day. Um, they have a little bit more freedom and flexibility and they're just loud. And so my older kids needed some time to concentrate. And so we compromised and we said, you know what? Okay, let's set up a workspace in your room. And then we set some boundaries and some communications that, hey, this is what we're going to do to check in so that we have some really clear accountability. And after a transition period of them showing up and doing their work, um, we allowed them to work in their room on their own. So as I say, from, from where you're at, assess who you have in your school, um, where you're gathering now to do that. And then look at those holes of like, okay, here's some places that um, we're stumbling and that's causing frustration. Uh, an example for me was everybody kept telling me they handed me something, but like I could not find it. Also, I am a very busy mom and uh, there's a rule. Don't hand me things. Don't ever hand me anything because I will set it down in some random location and we will never find it again. And so I thought, you know what we need? We need a turn-in bucket. We need a, a designated place where everything that's finished has to go. If it's not in that bucket, it doesn't exist. And that solved a problem for me. And so I think we can look at our homeschool life and our homeschool spaces and say, hey, here's some problems I'd like to solve. Now, what are the tools I need to solve that problem? And that helps narrow the scope of all of the things that you can see on Amazon that are homeschooling labeled. And it can be overwhelming and you can feel like you're left out if you don't have all the cute candy and all the little blocks and things. But if you narrow it back and say, hey, I'm going to look at what problems I want to solve and what tools can help me solve that the very best, that makes your shopping list a lot easier to plan for and a lot easier to navigate. And then you can add fun things back that you want 
to do in your homeschool life. That is awesome. And such good things to consider as, you know, to factor in as we're deciding what homeschool space we need. So we're looking at these various factors, then how do we build or put together that space to make it workable for us? Yeah. And I think the next thing you can do uh, is look at your individual children and see how you can equip them daily with what they need. Um, For ourselves, I I wish I had it next to me, but we have these little, they're called tough Rubbermaid totes. And I don't know how big they are. I have a link in my blog post, Um, but they're probably about, well, they fit a workbook directly right in them. Everybody had a tote. They have had them, I, I think for like 18 years, they are still downstairs with everybody's letter on them. So their name is on it. And I would just say, you show up every morning, bring your bucket, your Bible and your binder. And that's what they had to have. So in that tote, they had their workbooks. They had whatever they were currently reading. They had a pencil bag. So it had like their, whatever things kept them from not leaving the room. Like that was in the bag. So if they had a sharpener, whatever things were a distraction, I was like, okay, that goes in the box because I want us to be able to be highly focused for short bursts of time. And so that was the core thing we did was create a bucket that was each individual could take with them everywhere they go. And that way, if we move from the living room and we go downstairs to work on something, if we go for a period of time, we did, we had a school room Um, for a period of time. I had 10 kids and I had five girls in one room and five boys in another room because they were tiny. And, um, and we wanted a space for a playroom and a school room. And so we sacrificed one of those bedrooms to be able to use that space all day instead of using it for eight hours in the dark when everybody's asleep. And so that just made the most sense to us. Um, Fortunately, then we had a remodel and we've since rebuilt our whole basement because we're in an old farmhouse in Iowa. And so from a scary dirt basement, now we have a usable space. And so we moved downstairs 10 years ago and had a beautiful school area because we have a giant library and we have three computers and two laptops that are up and working for science and math during the day. So again, I think assessing what kind of tools you're using and then how you can set that up so that maybe what you need to do each day. So for my kids, when we were doing math, I found that like I was having to walk around and help every person with their workbooks and answer questions. And so I wanted a space that I could navigate more easily. And so we sat at the kitchen table because it was much easier for me to walk around the kitchen table and answer questions than it was to go from couch to couch or place to place. And so um, I think consolidating the workload that you're doing, even by subject, is nice. And so if you can look at your school day and say, hey, we're going to do our couch time all at once. So we're going to do our Bible. We're going to do our, our reading, our literature, or whatever reading subjects you have, find a space that you can do all of those. And then you can transition to book work time and maybe look for a space to do that. That makes the most sense as well. So we have kind of divided up our workloads according to workspaces and then made that a little bit more manageable for ourselves. But like I said, at that time, we started with just a one area in our playroom and uh, we had a couple of totes that held everything we needed. I think having a centralized space is really helpful. So if you can find an unused cabinet, if you can find um, maybe a rollaway storage cart 
Those are fantastic. And I see a lot of parents utilizing those. Um, we had an old TV armoire case. And so um, we turned that into a bookcase and put our current work in there, the turn-in bucket in there, um, some magazine holders that held all of our workbooks for the time that we were working on them in there. So I think if you can just find one centralized command center where everybody can find what they need. And um, we use a binder that tells us what to do. So that lives there. Uh, anything that we're going to go back and forth to centralize those all to one place because you really want to streamline your day and you don't want to stop to find something. That is what killed our momentum any day uh, was stopping to be like, oh yeah, where is the stapler? Oh yeah. Where is the hole punch? Uh, where, where is your workbook? oh my goodness, where's your workbook was like the question of our lives. And so establishing those totes and making my kids responsible to show up ready was really a big part of keeping our homeschool momentum going. Um, and also that means that they're intentional about their school day as well. And we really want to build that in them because again, us moms are taking on tons of responsibility. And oftentimes we take on responsibility that's not our responsibility. Uh, your child can show up ready. Uh, you make sure they have the tools. You make sure they have a list. Uh, for a while, we just laminated a list and put it in their box. It was like, look at your list. When they say, what do I need to do today? Look at your list. And we just had written down in a check mark each thing that they were expected to do so that if they didn't know what to do, they looked at the list and we just established that as a habit. And then time they came to me and said, I don't know what to do. I was like, I don't know. Let's look at your list. And so again, the same thing with our spaces, we can kind of create hinge points with our spaces and say, okay, when I'm in this area, what am I doing? Um, and be really intentional about how we use that. Um, and I encourage you, there is, there is so little that you need to homeschool well. And so um, it's just, it's, it's, it can be overwhelming to think of all the things you need when you look online. And so I really want to encourage parents to say, there is so little that you require. I would invest your time and energy in great curriculum and in great teaching tools that help you translate information really well to your kids or meet their needs in a way that meets their needs best. Um, and then I would look at your space now. And, and that's where I go back to solving problems. You know, as you, as you get to, Hey, this is a thing that I'm having trouble with. Um, and I would love to share. Uh, we actually, when we renovated our whole house, we moved out. And so I know, um, as military families, you guys can probably understand. Sometimes you have just short-term times that you have to leave your area. And so, um, uh, this house that I live in currently is my 17th house. So I am so familiar with living out of cardboard boxes. And I think my last house I lived in as a teenager, I did not even unpack because I was like, I'm just done unpacking. But when we did this renovation, uh, we moved our whole family who has always lived in the country uh, into town for six months. And so we took these country kids who had never seen a neighborhood and, um, and just like unleashed them onto town. And it was, it was the stories are insane. But when we left, I had each child take one suitcase. So that was their clothes. Uh, we brought a mattress because we moved into an empty house temporarily. Uh, we brought one crate of toys and we brought their bucket for school. And that was it. And so we lived for six months and we schooled the whole time. And actually we had a really great experience. Um, we enjoyed 
our town that we were in. We explored and did a lot of things. And so sometimes I'll just have a couple points on when you're when you're maybe somewhere displaced or you're somewhere for a short period of time. Um, create a, a hobby or a habit, something to do out or get a pass to like the local zoo or a museum and let that be part of your education time because um, we took up geocaching and it was like a super fun adventure. And we just made that part of our school. And so we would go explore town and get out a lot because where we were at had no furnishing at all. And it was just not, it was not a fun house to live in. It was just a place to stay for that period of time. And so, um, so we kind of externalized our homeschool while we were in that place. And that really helped us uh, keep moving forward. And that really helped us enjoy our time a lot better. So like mentally, I just made it an adventure. And even though I was in the middle of an overwhelming whole house renovation, uh, I just pretended like we were on like a massive adventure. And I think as, as moms, we can create the atmosphere for our family and translate that to them. And our kids found it to be a great adventure and and they didn't catch any of that energy of the overwhelm or the difficulty. And so uh, you guys, as a parent and as a mom, you guys are such a blessing and you have so much power to influence your home and your family. And so I just encourage you to take that in mind um, when you're setting your attitude for the day, when you're thinking about your heart, about what's going on. Um, I know when we were on beans and rice, there were a lot of things I wanted for my homeschool um, or wanted for my house. And it just wasn't possible at the time. And so I just had to be satisfied with where I was at um, and find joy in the journey in between. And so um, so I just encourage you to look for places where you can create your own joy. Um, and then find out what you really, really need, and then maybe focus on how you can creatively solve that. Like I said, I got an armoire at a garage sale for like 60 bucks and rebuilt it into our homeschool library. So you can be creative. And I'm sure that uh, your audience is probably full of very creative problem solvers. And so translate that energy to what you've done for furnishings, what you've done for your rooms, and now use that same energy and and put it towards your homeschool as well. And maybe think of things a little bit differently and creatively and like, okay, here's the problem I want to overcome. Now here's a creative way that I can solve it. I love these tips and what inspirational advice. I was just sitting here kind of listening to you like, oh, why why didn't I learn some of this years ago? You know, I'm toward the end of my homeschooling journey with my two youngest and I could have used you 20 years ago. Well, and that's why I share. That's why I've been uh, blogging and writing is because I saw a lot of young moms asking questions. And sometimes I saw the answers they were getting um, were very energetic, but, but I don't know. It didn't have a lot of solid background to it. And so I'm like, okay, here's, here's what's really happening. Here's what you really need. Because I think so many people can get really discouraged in the homeschool journey. It's a, Mm -hmm. it's a full-time job. And so just like with any other full-time job, there are times where it is just not super satisfying. And I don't think people share that. I don't think people share the struggle of like, there are times when you just feel tired out or, you know, as the main discipline person and then the teacher, I'm like, why can't I just be Mr. Pemberton? 
why can't I be your favorite science teacher? Like every person has like that one teacher that they love. I'm like, I never get to be that person because I'm mom and they have to do their chores and they've got to do their laundry and they've got to clean up their stuff and they've got to write a paper. And so um, there's not a lot of good feedback that we get every day. And so we have to really encourage one another as homeschool parents to see the long-term goal. And what's your long-term plan? Keep that in front of you. I'll say your number one homeschool supply that you need first off is, is a vision. You need to write down why you're doing this because above anything else, um, that is going to keep you going when the difficult times come or when you feel discouraged that you just don't have the stuff that you want and, and you're not in a place to afford it right now or you're not in a permanent house. And so you don't really want to invest. And we lived in this house for 15 years, knowing we were going to demo the whole thing and pay it off. And so, you know what, we lived with tile falling off the wall and, oh my gosh, it just lots of interesting things, but you know what, we knew we had long-term goals. And so living with the house as it was, was okay because we knew we had a second stage that we were investing in. And so like this first stage, sometimes you're working on discipline. Sometimes you're working on behavior things. You're remediating, you're building relationships. And so um, this is phase one and you're going to get to that place where you're going to get your wheels under you and everybody's going to be organized um, and your kids are going to know the routine. And then you're going to be like, okay, this is actually really satisfying and really fun. And so I want to encourage people in that in-between time to say like, yes, you, you can do this. What a great analogy between renovating your farmhouse and, you know, those building blocks of homeschooling and, and the long-term goals, you know, I say, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? You know, we don't go from kindergarten to graduation overnight. And it's that daily building on it. And you're going to have your moments where it doesn't work out so great. That's okay. You know, it's, you just keep working on it and not get sidetracked by the, the, the failures. Not really. Nothing's a failure in homeschooling, I think. So Amber, what closing thoughts or advice would you like to share with our listeners today? So in setting up your spaces, first off, homeschool for a period of time. Find out what you need the most to help you be effective as a teacher. And you know what? It's okay to make missteps. Like, And it's okay to change consistently. Uh, my husband laughs because he can never find anything. And I tell him our house is a house in flux. Like we are always shifting and changing because honestly, the needs of our students, the needs of myself as a teacher, um, the applications we use, they change from year to year. So be okay with stripping things down and moving them. Be okay with letting a curriculum go that no longer fits your needs. Um, keep your needs at the front. And don't be in love with your stuff. Don't be in love with your tools. Um, you know, be flexible to make the changes that you need to help your students and help them succeed well. And, and be encouraged that there's really not a lot that is required to help you homeschool. And so invest in the tools um, that I think you need the most, which is your curriculum. And, and put your time and your energy into finding a curriculum that helps you. And then you can add on to that with your um, basic needs. But yeah, keep those time wasters and those distractors all in one centralized location. Um, and that's going to really just help you manage your time best. And so I find that just managing everybody's time, I will say for a period of time, I had an escaper 
And so um, I actually gave up my master bedroom and we moved the schoolroom to the master bedroom because it was the only door that locked. And unfortunately it was like with eight kids, one day I answered a math question and I looked up and I'm like, Hey, where's Ruben? And none of the kids knew where Ruben was. And I looked out the window and the child was across the road in full snow gear, digging a fort across the street. I was like, something's got to change. So, so we moved upstairs where we could just lock the door and everybody had to ask permission to leave because managing a lot of small people um, can come down to that. And so be creative uh, about your spaces and don't be afraid to just make a change. If you need to make a change because this is a problem, then just shift something around and be creative. So I would, I would love to hear back um, you know, how you've overcome some certain problems, because like I said, everybody's dynamic is different. And so sharing our creative answers is a great way to kind of help other moms think of like, oh, okay, there's a way I could overcome that problem. That's awesome. (laughs) Well, before I let you go, would you please share with us how we can connect with you? For sure. Well, that makes it easy because 200 fingers and toes is where you can find me everywhere. So I'm 200 fingers and toes on Facebook. Um, I am 200 fingers toes on Instagram. Um, I was really busy and active on those things. And I have just hit a point where I have adult children and I adult children are like almost as needy as toddlers. So (laughs) (laughs) bless, but they just show up on me all the time. So um, the blog is 200 fingers and toes.com. And if you search in that, like with a a title or um, maybe a topic that you're looking for, I have probably 250 articles in there. So lots of reviews, um, lots of tips and some devotional, just, just encouragement pieces as well. And so if you just want to be encouraged, if you want to just read uh, a whole bunch about homeschooling, you can jump on there and find just a ton of articles that maybe will tell you about some different tools, tips, and resources. And so that's what I try to do is just get those things in front of parents so that they can choose um, the things that they need the best. So yeah, 200 fingers and toes.com. And that's where you'll find me on anything. Awesome. Well, Amber, such inspirational and helpful tips and advice today. Thank you so much for joining me to talk about making space for homeschool. Yes. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it. Listeners, thanks so much for listening in today. Links to all the resources that Amber mentioned will be included in my show notes at militaryhomeschoolpodcast.com. Please be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast listening app and then share it with a friend. I'll be back next week with another episode of the Military Homeschool Podcast. Have a blessed week. Thanks for listening in today. Be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. If you liked this podcast, please take a moment to give it a five-star rating and leave a comment. Links to the resources mentioned during the show today can be found in our show notes at militaryhomeschoolpodcast.com. Connect on Facebook at Military Homeschool Podcast or via email at militaryhomeschoolpodcast at gmail.com.